The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Okay, are you ready to get into the Word of God? Open up to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And uh, we're up to the sixth miracle in the book of John. We've been doing a series on the seven miracles of the book of John. The series is called, There's a Miracle for Your House. We believe in miracles. We believe in the supernatural in this church. We believe that God is interested in you. God is interested in your situation. And God wants to bring a turnaround for you. We, We don't know when. We don't know where. We don't know how. We don't have the detail of when, where, and how, but we do believe that it's coming. Okay, I want want you to turn to the person next to you and say, there's a miracle coming your way. Now, I want everybody to put your hand on your heart. I want you to say, there's a miracle coming my way. How good is that? Heck yes. Absolutely. You've got to take it because it's God's word. I believe in miracles. We've been singing the song. What does that mean? It means there's a miracle coming your way. And so uh, we have got, you know, John Mellor coming in a few weeks' time, and that's going to be a a miraculous Sunday. But you don't have to wait for John Mellor to turn up because Jesus has already turned up. It's good that John Mellor is coming, but Jesus has already come, and he's here, and he lives at your place. If you've invited him in, he at least lives at our place. Hopefully he lives at your place. But where Jesus is, there's miracles. And so what John is doing is that he's showing wherever Jesus goes, miracles flowed. But there's significant miracles and there's significant things that God wants to do in our lives. And so we're going to look at miracle number six today, which is the miracle of healing of the blind man. And uh, and some of you are saying, but I'm not blind. But what you need is revelation. And what this miracle actually points to is not just the miracle of being able to see physically, but being able to perceive life and get revelation in life. And so let's, let's, read, let's read the passage. It's just awesome. I, I wish we had time to read the whole chapter. But can you do it at home? Huh? Can you do homework? Can you read John chapter 9? And why don't you get a, 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 a little journal and just, and just get some revelation yourself and just get, some, get excited about the Word of God and do it. We're teaching our kids. We might as well teach the adults as well. What do you say, Mandy? Okay, John chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed to him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made a spitball. Of clay. With the, how many of you, does your Bible say spitball? Mine doesn't either. I was just making that up just to see if you're awake or asleep. 
He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. That's exactly what it says. I'm not making that up. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now let's turn to verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. How many of you can hear him speaking like that? He does not keep the Sabbath. Others others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And and they said to the blind man again, what did you say? uh, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And I love this. He's a prophet, obviously. What else would he be? Verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, however, though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want me to say it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Let's rub it in right there. I love that. Then they reviled him. That's probably a fancy word for swearing, for putting him down, for ridiculing him. You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to him, said to them, Why this is marvelous? That you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it's been unheard that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you are completely born in sins and are teaching us. And they cast him out. In other words, they excommunicated him. How good is this? passage don't you love don't you love what's going on here because basically it's divided up into two sections section one is the healing of the blind man and section two is the revelation of the blind man so we not only see him receiving sight we see him receiving revelation and he's this beggar this blind man becoming a teacher of the teachers because now not only has he received sight, he's received revelation. So let's, let's go to part number one, the receiving of sight. And it starts with this question, and it's the age-old question. Why do bad things happen? Who sinned? We've got to find out the why. Whose fault was it? A bad thing has happened. A man has been born blind. There must be cause. There must be reason. Give us the answer to this question. Why do bad things happen? What's the cause behind it? Who sinned? How many of you know that's the question that so many people ask today? Maybe it's the question that you're asking right now. 
Why is this happening to me? And we ask the why question all the time. And they asked the why question, and Jesus didn't have an answer. He said, neither this man sinned or his parents sinned. Can you come to grips with this, folks? That sometimes there's no answer. Sometimes there's no why. Sometimes it's just, it's happened. And, 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 and we've just got to receive that as the answer, it's happened. An earthquake, a disaster, a tsunami, a bushfire. Why? It's happened. Can we accept it? But then Jesus adds to that when he says, neither this man sinned. Then he moves on and he says, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And so what's Jesus saying? He's saying that every bad thing is an opportunity to do a good thing. And this is why I love chaplaincy. My wife loves the fact that I love chaplaincy. But I love chaplaincy because chaplaincy teaches people to just appear in the middle of disaster and not try to give reason as to why we have this disaster. But to say, look, I don't have the answers for the disaster, but I'm your answer. And I'm here to love and I'm here to care and I'm here to help. And that's exactly the way that Jesus treated this situation. I'm not here to say who sinned and I'm not here to portion blame. I'm not here to say if you did this differently and that everything would be different. It's happened. We can't change the past, but let's do good. Let's make a difference. And that's what Jesus did. Can you do that? Can you make a difference? Can you come into a situation and just shut your mouth about what you believe is the cause of it? Because you might be right, you might be wrong. I don't know. But let's not even go there and say, you know what? What they need is not the answer to why, but what they need is someone just to bring them a bunch of good in the middle of their chaos, in the middle of their disaster. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You know that by not helping, and this is the thing, you know, what's the point of sitting back somewhere and just having a debate? about why this happened and what that happened and and just debating about all the stuff of the world. Just roll up your sleeves, get in there and make a difference. And that's the glory of God. Whenever we miss an opportunity like that, we dishonor the glory of God. By walking away and debating, we just dishonor the glory of God. By rolling up our sleeves and getting involved and bringing good, we bring honor to God. We bring glory to God. We show the works of God revealed in the middle of the disaster. Let's read it again now that I've explained and see if you get it. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Then, then what we see is point number two is Jesus is the one who gives light in the darkness. And so he's a blind man. He can't see. He's in the dark. And then John gives the revelation that Jesus is the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And again, John talks about the seven I am's in the book of John. And that's another series in itself. And one of the seven I am's is this one. I am the light of the world. And how many of you know that not much can be done at night time? 
How many of you know that, that when the lights are off, how many of you have stubbed your toe in the middle of the night, going to the bathroom when the lights are off? How many of you tripped over something? How many of you, yeah, tripped over stuff? Because you can't see. So not much can be done in the dark. And here's Jesus turning up and saying, there's a mess happening in this world, and the mess is because it's in the dark. I've come to be the light of the world. I've come to bring clarity. I've come to bring light. I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I bring light. I bring clarity. How beautiful it is. And when the light is switched on, you can see. But beyond seeing, you can understand. It's one thing to see, it's another thing to understand. And so what this whole discourse and this whole passage is about is not just physically seeing, but understanding and making sense of what's going on. How many of you know that the world is in darkness and the world cannot make sense of what's going on. How many people are asking the question, what is the meaning of life? What am I here for? What's the purpose of life? How many, how many year 12 that are just finishing year 12 are, are sitting there confused about what, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, I'm, I'm, I know about this exam that I've got to do, but once I'm finished this exam on Thursday, what do I do with the rest of my life? And the pressure is on. And, and, and if you're in the dark, well, you're just going to just grope around trying to find direction. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I've come to give you light. I've come to show you direction. I've come to help you make sense of life. And then, and then what happens is that the miracle of sight happens and we move on. The miracle of the healing of the blind man. And so this is a very fascinating thing. Never in all of the miracles that Jesus did did he do this thing. He spits on the ground, makes some clay, and then puts the clay into the eye sockets into the eyeballs of the blind man. And it's mentioned four times in the book of John, over and over again. It's mentioned, he spat, he made clay, and he put it onto the man's eyes. He made mud. He made, he made this thing, and he put it onto the man's eyes. And I thought, if it's mentioned four times, obviously it's important. So what the heck is all this about? Why, why did he do that? I mean, other times he just prayed for people they received sight. But John focuses in on Jesus making clay and putting it on the man's eyes. You know, when I was praying about this, I got the revelation as to what this meant. And the revelation is connected to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. How many of you know what happened in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7? And the Lord God formed, created man of the dust of the ground. And this is the mental picture that we get. We get the Lord getting the clay, getting the dust, and there forming like a master artisan, like a master artist, putting, like a master sculptor, putting together this form, this man. And then he finally finished this work of art and he breathed in and man became a living being. Something from the mouth of God went into that clay. Hello. Have we talk, how many of you can hear what I'm saying? Yeah. And so here's Jesus, something came out of his mouth. He made clay. He put it onto the man's eyes. And what's John doing? He's trying to prove that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And he's making this connection between the formation of clay for the blind man to the formation of clay to create humanity. 
and you walk away seeing the connection. John was trying to prove that Jesus is the Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when Jesus walked on the water, the, the, the thought that came back was, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. And He's the Spirit of God hovering over the sea. And again, the connection. And He culminates it in John chapter 20, where Thomas puts his fingers into the palm prints of, of the nails where they were before and declares and makes it very clear, my Lord and my God. And John just signs it off. Jesus, God, same deal. How awesome is that? Anyway, I found that exciting. Huh? Some of you are still head spinning, but it's okay. Then Jesus says, okay, now what I want you to do is go wash in the pool of Siloam. Again, why do that? Why? Okay, just, you know, just get a towel, wipe it off. But no, you've got to go and wash. Now, what's interesting is that the pool of Siloam is outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It's by the brook Kedron. So the miracle obviously happened in Jerusalem. And so he's got to go to the pool of Siloam. It's, it's still there today. The pool of Siloam is still there today. If you go to Jerusalem, you can go to the pool of Siloam. So what's all this about? Okay, let me tell you what this is about. Your miracle starts with faith, but it ends in obedience. And so there's got to be an obedience that you add to your faith. So did the man believe that Jesus was going to heal him? Yes, he did. He started with that. But then he had to obey. And what did he have to do? He had to walk all the way through Jerusalem with mud in his eyes. How many of you think that's a pretty cool deal? You know, just walk through with mud in your eyes. Can you imagine? Uh, excuse me, but you've got something on your face. Can you imagine how many nice people there are pinpointing? Yep, but I'm on a journey. Do you want me to wipe it off? No, don't wipe it off. Why is that? Because obedience for me is doing exactly what Jesus said. I can only wipe it off when I get the Siloam. But it looks messy. It looks ugly. Whatever it is, I need to do what I've been told to do. And so here it is. Picture this. First step, nothing happens. Second step, nothing happens. Third step, nothing happens. Fourth step, nothing happens. Five step, nothing happens. Sixth step, nothing happens. He's got to get all the way outside the walls, outside the gates. He's got to find, how many of you know that when you're a blind man, you just don't know the way to Siloam very well? There weren't too many braille signs in those days saying 600 steps to Siloam. He's asking people, do you know the way to the pool of Siloam? Yep, I know. Just keep going that round. See that wall there? Don't bump into that one. Okay. So he finally gets there. He's still blind. But then when he dips in and he starts putting that water onto his eyes and he starts washing away the clay, all of a sudden God opens his eyes. And he's able to see for the very first time in his life. Can you imagine the joy? I don't know if you can imagine. I, I know that when I was you know, 13, I got glasses for the very first time. And, and I was struggling to see the blackboard or you know, just seeing. And then I put glasses on and it was like, wow, this is awesome. I can see. Imagine just being blind from birth, never being able to see. And all of a sudden you see what joy that would be. What joy. How many of you had cataracts taken out of your eyes? And just, can you, can you tell me what, what the difference was? Amazing. Yeah, amazing. But imagine just being totally blind and then being able to see. What a joy that was. But you know what? 
That's not the end of the miracle. That's not the end of the story. Because once this is over, now we have the discourse. And the discourse is all about revelation. Because what we have is the contrast between the Pharisees and the blind man. And what John does so beautifully in this story is that he contrasts the Pharisees and the blind man and he puts them together. Because it's just the irony is a blind man is now teaching seeing men about revelation. And so the seeing men, which were the Pharisees, were actually blind, but they didn't know that they were blind. And he's the blind man, knew he was blind, but now he could see and was teaching them about seeing what they couldn't see because they didn't realize that they were blind. How many of you following that? Huh? <laughs> So he's the Pharisees claimed to see, but they had real issues. They were blind to the real issues. And he's the blind man that received not only sight, but received vision and revelation. I think it was uh, Helen Keller that said, um, was it? it says, one thing to not have sight, but a worst thing is not having vision. And I want to add to Helen Keller and say, it's one thing not having sight. It's another thing, not having vision. But the worst thing is not having revelation. And so there's sight, there's vision, and there's revelation. And this blind man got sight, vision, and revelation. And now he's teaching them about revelation. And so the the Pharisees, they couldn't see that Jesus was the Son of God. They couldn't see. They couldn't even see that Jesus was a good man. They couldn't even see that. They were arguing about Jesus being a bad man. They couldn't see past their infatuation with the law. And see, this is the Pharisees. They were infatuated with the law. And so the law says you've got to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. And you can't do anything. And the, the, the tripping point for them was that Jesus healed the blind man on the Sabbath. And not only that, but the blind man had to take a journey to the Pool of Siloam, which would have broken the Sabbath as well. He went further than the allowed distance. And so it was like... Here we go. Not only is he a sinner, but he's encouraging other people to sin. He must be the worst of sinners, this bad man. So I don't know how he does these miracles, but it can't be from God because it doesn't fit into our box. Hello? The blind. And Jesus talked to them about the blind, leading the blind. He talked to them about this blindness of revelation. And so he's the blind man now. And he's got revelation out of revelation. And, and so, so, okay, one thing we know, this man is not from God because he does miracles on the Sabbath. Then he encourages people to break the Sabbath. Who do you think he is? So they're setting him up. And I love his response. Obviously, he's a prophet. <laughs> what else would you call someone who opens the eyes of the blind? Wrong answer. (laughs) Not the answer we wanted from you. But the answer that a person that can see would give. Of course he's a prophet. Well, just say it out. He's a sinner. Come on, declare it. He's already declared he's a prophet. And he says, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All that I know is that once I was blind, now I can see. End of the story. Talk about reviling them. He's just twisting it. You know why? Because the blind, they're stuck. They're stuck in their rut. But someone that's got revelation, man, they're just flexible. They can see. They can see where the traps are and they can just avoid it. So what else revelation did he have of God? He just said, look, 
I just know that God doesn't hear sinners. But if someone's a worshipper from God, God hears him. And so he's the blind man, has another revelation of Jesus. Not only is he a prophet, not only is he the light of the world, someone that's able to open the eyes of the blind, but he's a worshipper of God. And he says, another thing I know is that God only hears the people that do the will of God. And he has another revelation of Jesus that Jesus does the will of God. And then it gives another revelation that uh, obviously if he was not from God, he could do nothing. And because something has happened, he must be from God. And you can follow through the five revelations. The five revelations that the blind man had. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is a worshiper of God. Jesus does the will of God. And obviously, bottom line, Jesus must be from God. Wow. They got so upset about his revelations that excommunicated him from the church. You're out. You must, be, you must be one of his disciples. I love that. They already, you know, this guy had never seen Jesus. He'd never seen Jesus. It was only after that, 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 that he saw Jesus as, as a seeing man. But he was already being identified as a disciple. Here's the question I have for you. Is there enough evidence to accuse you of being a disciple of Jesus? Because there was enough evidence for this guy on the day of his deliverance to be identified as a disciple of Jesus. They just worked it all out. One thing I know, he's, he's the blind man. One thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. Here's the Pharisees. One thing I know, you sound like a disciple to us. <laughs> I love that. Hey, bottom line. Are you ready? Thank, come on, Tim. Come on. I'm coming for a landing. You need revelation. I need revelation. We just can't do life without revelation. And revelation is where Jesus comes and just shines the light. And you can see. How many of you know this world is blind? This world will tell you that up is down and down is up. This world is telling our young people that wrong is right and right is wrong. Seriously, that's what's happening today. Someone is deceived and they're training people in deception. And so we need revelation like never before. I've just written up some of the revelations that we need. I mean, this world needs revelation of the existence of God. Our young people are being trained that God doesn't exist. Because here it is. Because this world appeared miraculously out of nothing. Just think how much faith it requires to believe that this world just appeared miraculously out of nothing. Just think about that. So let's boil it down. Let's boil it down, the existence of God, by just looking around. You want evidence? I believe in God if I find evidence. Let me give you some evidence. Here it is. Bottom line. Look around. Do you see order? Do you see design? Huh? Look at it. How many of you ever studied DNA? How many of you ever studied DNA? Do yourself a favor and study DNA. Because DNA is a computer program. DNA is exactly the same as 
And you know what? Encyclopedias don't have as much information in it as DNA. And it's detailed information about every bit of your body. It's, 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 it's more than an encyclopedia. It is unbelievable that every single cell in your body has a program as to how it ought to work, and it's all connected to your DNA. It's like, how can you look at this and not see an author, a writer of a program? How can you look at this? And so at the end of the day, it boils down to two simple thoughts. Okay, here it is. Either... And you've only got two thoughts. There's only two choices. There's not three. There's not four. There's two. Here it is. Choice number one. God made everything. People that have got revelation, they got that. But here's your alternative. Nothing made everything. You say, oh, but John, that's, that's, you know, you're going a bit extreme there. No. It's either God made everything or nothing made everything. There's nothing in between. So what do you believe? God made everything or nothing made everything? Nothing made everything? How many of you know that nothing makes nothing? It's like nothing is nothing. And nothing makes nothing. But everything is here. Yeah. Well, either God made everything or nothing made everything. Your choice. What do you believe? See, Revelation says, oh, how simple is it? Hey, mummy, how does a bird fly? God made it fly. Hey, mummy, how does that flower have so much color? God made it. Hey, mummy, how does that bird fly? Oh, nothing made that bird fly. Huh? Huh? Yeah, nothing made that bird fly. Yeah, nothing made everything. Huh? God made that bird fly. Okay, that makes sense to me. What? A little kid has more revelation? Why do we become so silly over the years? That's exactly what happens. John, you're not being scientific enough. I think some of you have over-scientificized. And I just made that word up. So, much more intelligent when you're able to make up words. just one of the revelations you know what I love I love the fact that it makes sense to me that if God created it all he would have given us a record he would have given us something to explain it all and that's what we have in the Bible it makes sense to me this is, this is the word of God I love the word of God I, I, I love it you know you come to this church and you will receive the word of God Sunday after Sunday as as the inspired by the Holy Spirit Word of God. See, when, see I, I don't go to my Bible and rip the pages out because, well, that's controversial. Well, that's miraculous. Yeah, all the more reason to believe it. Yeah, but, but, but you know, we just got to remove the supernatural and just find the morality of it. It's more the morality. Well, let's have a really skinny Bible. We'll rip this page out, rip that page out. See, I believe that this is the inspired word of God from the first page to the last page. And everything in this book is a guideline to maximize your life. 
So I believe in that. It's a revelation that I've got. You don't have that revelation? I'm praying for you to get it. Let me tell you what else I got a revelation of. I got a revelation of sin. And sin is what God says is sin, not what I say is sin. You know, let, let me tell you something. I, I got a confession to make. I, I like speed, not the drug. But I just, I don't know. I just, if it's a roller coaster, I want it to go fast. If it's a car, I want it to go fast. If it's a motorbike, I want it to go fast. And so I get agitated at going slow. I love driving in Europe. It's just awesome. You're driving there, 130 kilometers an hour is the speed limit on the Autostrada. And on the motorbahn in Germany, just go as fast as you like. I love that, but not in Australia. It's just frustrating, you know. It's frustrating. But you know what? The fact is, whether I like it or not, it's the law. It's the law. And so if I break the law, there are consequences. I can be sitting there and say, it's stupid. I don't believe it. Oh, pull over, mate. Oh, I've got a powerful car. I can do 160 years. It's not a problem. Hey, the law says 110. You're booked. You're going to lose six. Matter of fact, you've gone over the limit. We're confiscating your car, taking your license away and sticking you in jail. You can complain all you like, but the law is the law. Who determines that? The law of the land. Whether you agree with it or not makes no difference. And that's the same with sin. I don't make up the rules. God makes up the rules. Sin is sin, and it's declared here in the Word of God. You can have all these people saying, no, it's not sin, it's okay. You, you, you're putting guilt trips upon people. I'm not putting anything on people. I'm just telling you what the Word says. You've got to get a revelation of sin. But you know what? We don't stop it there. Because once you've got a revelation of sin, that's when you need a revelation of grace. One of the problems is that too many people want a revelation of grace before they get a revelation of sin. And without a revelation of sin, the revelation of grace doesn't work so well. It's when you know that you've sinned that you appreciate grace. The value of grace is actually appreciated when you know the value of sin. If you don't know the value of sin, then there's really not great value to grace. Then you need to know the revelation of Jesus and what he's done and salvation and, and just Jesus calling you. How beautiful is that? Jesus calling. Hey, John, I love you. I've made a way for you to be saved. I've gone before you to prepare a place for you that you may be with me forever and ever. But John, what you've got to do first of all is admit that you've sinned. Believe that I died for you and commit yourself to following me. Do you, do you believe that, John? Yeah, I do, Jesus. Then I'm calling you, come, come, come. What a revelation. Do you know, how many of you received that revelation? You heard him calling and you said yes. How many of you? How many of you? Can I just say to you that that is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever receive is the gift of that revelation that he called. You felt him drawing and you responded. There's a lot of people that just got no clue about that. But you know what? Today you might be here and, 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 it's, and it's, it's connecting. It's like, yeah, I can hear him calling. That's the gift of God already calling you. What do you need to do? 
now is just say, yes, Lord, I hear you. You're calling me. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to you. And you know what? Your sins will be forgiven. Your name will be written in the book of heaven. Jesus comes to your place, transforms your life. That's the gift of salvation. Let's bow heads for women. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.